0: Uh, so we, we do what we, 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 kind of scrounged, um, with all of our valuables, whether it be paper or, uh, uh, valuables, jewelry, everything got thrown into the safe. And it's a pretty big safe. It's, it's, it's a one ton safe. So, um, it's about the size of a an refrigerator and a half, uh, cause it's Texas. Um, and so we had to have a professional person move it. And I didn't know that when you move a safe, you're supposed to take everything out. I thought like it's safe like, uh, so, when we open the safe, everything's jumbled. Everything. And the ring's not there and we can't find it. Um, so, like, there's lamenting and there's gnashing of teeth. And, uh, and it's just like, well, we can get another ring. But that's not the ring. Um, and I'm not going to tell you who said which, but that's just... Uh, uh, and... <laughs> So, I go to bed last night just in a really bad place, and usually I try to go, I try to clear my headspace before I preach, and I'm just like, I'm just gonna solely focus on what God wants to do, but last night I was like, ringless Tim. Um, and I don't know if you know my wife, but she has her own sense of humor and her own way about her, and she's really funny. She doesn't, doesn't talk a lot. So, she decided, like, she got like, the headlamp out and uh, the real flashlights, I'm not joking, and she's just going to the garage last night, like, at 1:30 in the morning. Well, she should be sleeping. And she's going through the safe, and she found the ring in like, this crevice of our safe. And then the weird part happens I'm I'm passed out of sleep, and I just feel this thing get slipped onto my finger. (laughs) (laughs) And I open my eyes, and she's like, I found your ring. I'm in a good place. <laughs> I'm in a good place. That was the weirdest way that could have happened. And we talked about it like, you could have waited, you could have put me up. But it was very, it, was, it wasn't like she like, it was a ceremonial too. It was like, it, it, we, it was almost like we renewed our vows at 1.30. And it's just this, and she very creepy, because she can be a little creepy. And she's <laughs> like, I found your It was very like Frodo. And like, I was, so that, that's nothing to do with what we're preaching today, but I don't want you to know where I'm at. Um, so transition, pivot. Last week we closed out our Christmas series. Uh, really, our our goal for the Christmas series, our goal for Christmas was for you to look at uh, the coming Messiah through the lens of every every waking hour of your life, not through uh, the lens of how you spend your December, but how you spend. Your life, three sixty-five, and how the coming Messiah, and the, the fact that we serve a God who who answers His promises, and that prophecies are all promises made and completed by God, and that's how uh, we we looked at Christmas, and we, we looked at it through different scopes and lenses, but all of it came down to just the promised Messiah and how the love of God fills with hope and joy and, and peace. And and then next week we are going to start a new series, as we do at the beginning of every year, we start our identity series and who we are as Trinity Church Cliff. Who we are as the hands and feet of God. Who we are as as the small seed, but also who we are as the big seed church. And we do that with uh, a series of just preaching through and teaching through our, our 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 mission statement, which is love God, love others, and make disciples. That's what we do. That's what we're here to do, and that's what emboldens us. And we're going to walk through the scriptures that we've attached to those uh, those, uh, those those creeds and those codes, and we're, we're going to see like who we are. Because I think it's really important at the beginning of each year to almost just reorient, re- reaffirm, and redeclare who we are, and it kind of makes like a marching order for Trinity Church of Cliff, because we have work to do in 2020, and we have things that God's going to leave before us. We have obstacles we're going to have to overcome. We have we have mountaintops that we're going to have to be thankful uh, about, and we have valleys that we're going to have to cry and love on each other through, and all those things are, are going to happen. I can promise you that if God blesses us with another year in 2020, he will also see us through the valleys, and he will, he will be there. Here at, our, at our mountaintop. So we'll have to do it together. And we're going to start that um, uh, next, uh, next week. So this week where we find ourselves is almost just a standalone sermon where I'm trying and what I want to do today is just to walk y'all through um, what we are about as believers and how you should look at 2020. 2019 had a lot of great times, had a lot of sad times, had a lot of of trials and tribulations and and blessings, and we had to steward both well. And today I want us to look through uh, what we want to accomplish 2020 and what we want to do as believers of Jesus Christ and how that should shape our goals, how that should shape our accomplishments, how that should shape our desires. I don't know if you're a person who makes resolutions or if you make goals, if you're a journaler, but everything you do and everything you hope to accomplish in 2020 has to be done through the lens of Christ. I know some of that sounds crazy. You're like, I want to mow my lawn better. I want to do some menial tasks that I don't think have to do with my faith. And I want to tell you that that's that's completely false. Everything you do, if you are saying, I want to undertake this hobby or that hobby, all that has to be done through the lens of Christ, whether it's either a blessing or an ability or a desire or a yearning or something beautiful that Christ has made for you to enjoy or some ability that God's given that you have to steward well, everything you do has to come from the genesis of I am a believer and I am sanctified, I am a a born again son and, and and daughter of god and all of us has to we have to frame our life through that because if we lose that context we lose our way we lose our compass and satan wants us lost you're going to hear that a lot today that satan wants you lost i'm an alpha male type a in a lot of ways i attack things as i say what does the enemy want me to do and i'm going to do the opposite what does the enemy want me to do i do that a lot at work what is the enemy? What would be the easiest way for the enemy to get me? And I'm going to do the opposite of that. And I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to lay out tactics with you. Um, but a lot of what I do to stay safe on an everyday basis is, is very simple. I have an enemy out there. I have a bad guy. I have someone that wants to hurt me or hurt my friends. And we have to do whatever we can to make it as hard as possible for them to get at us. And that's the same as spiritual warfare. That's the same as how you're going to live your life in 2020. You're going to live every day understanding that you that Satan wants you lost, but you are found. We're going to talk about the manner in which we live our lives. We're going to talk about the outlook of a new year and how self-improvement is actually just progressive sanctification done by the Spirit. We're going to do so by looking in 1 Philippians 27 and 28. I'm going to read it out loud. Uh, There's a book next to you. There's a Bible next to you, um, and it's going to be up here on the screen, I think. Um, I'm going to read it. If you would stand just in the reverence of God's holy word, uh, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray. So I, I don't do a lot of standalone sermons, and they don't come naturally. I'm very much more of like an exegetical. Let's get through a pastor, Let's get through a sermon series. But uh, this is a, a one-off scripture um, where Paul is just imploring the church of Philippi to live in the ways of Christ. Verse twenty-seven. Only let the manner of life. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or if I'm absent, I hear of that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not and not frightened in any of by any of your opponents. If this is clear sign of them and their destruction, but of your salvation that is from God, you may be seated. Let me pray over us, and we're going to dive into that passage for a little bit. God, thank you for today. Thank you for just the opportunity we have to, to dive into your holy word and to um, just pull out the, the, the marrow of what you say, that this is a living, breathing word that is, that is from a triune God that, that, that is for our our good and our reproof and our life, and that we may use it, and it, it may be something that we live and declare to be true. God, I pray all things in your name. Amen. So I really like this passage, and I've taught uh, from this passage before, and I've taught from similar passages um, uh, before that I really like how Paul uses the word manner because it really strikes a chord with me on just how like it is the encompass of how you are, the way you live your life, the way you conduct yourself is the manner of being. And, and Paul really understands that, that uh, you can't be... A, a partial Christian, you can't be half in or half out. You are absolutely sold out, radically obedient to God or you're walking in opposition of God. And we, we trick ourselves a lot in, in the modern-day Christian church, and especially in the American church, that we feel that we can live okay Monday through Saturday. We can be our best self Sunday, and then we can go back. And as long as we kind of tip the scale more in a biblical manner, that everything will kind of work out. And what Paul writes throughout his epistles and throughout uh, this passage is that there is a to- there is a complete obedience or there is just disobedience. And when he's instructing the church of Philippi, he says, you're the manner in which you live your life, the, the way that you walk, the way that you talk, the way that you think, everything that is you, the very marrow, the very essence of who you are has to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. It has to be the way you conduct yourself, the, the, the way you talk, the way you think, the way you see people. Everything has to flow from that gospel of Christ or you're lost or you're confused and you're not doing it well. And then he tells them to stay Stand firm side by side, striving together for the gospel of Christ. And I like the manner because it just talks about the way that we conduct ourselves. But he moves on to live a life that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that worthy can confuse you. I don't want you to think there's something that you have to live up to to be beholden to God's love. He's not saying there's an earning. Worthy is not you earning the gospel of christ you cannot earn what has been freely given to you but it's a worthy more of worth the root word of worthy is worth and that is where we find our worth and that is so often where we stumble in today is that we put our value and our worth in something that's not the gospel of christ you have been paid for you have been bought with a price 1 Corinthians 6 talks about that you are not your own. Your body, your soul is not yours because you were bought with a ransom price with the blood of Jesus Christ. So your value is not your own. You do not the summation of the deal you're going to close on Monday. You are not the summation of your work product, your salary, your car, your clothes. Those things do not define you. The only thing that defines you is the gospel of Christ and that you are saved and bought for. And I don't know who needs to hear that. Because that is a battle in 2019 that is just, just the war of our heart, is where we find our value. A lot of our value is, is literally attached to a monetary net worth, or the car, or the job, or the promotion. Um, I don't know who needs to hear this because I didn't really see how horrible this was until I became a parent. But I, your value is not how well your kid sleeps or eats. Or, or learns, right? That's, there's, there's a war going on for the heart of the moms in our uh, church on Instagram and social media that all of these people are professing to be professional parents, and they're just exuding just false lies of what it looks like to be a successful parent and what it looks like to be uh, a successful mom or, or, or caregiver. You are not the totality of the thing you made, but you are the totality of the thing you serve. You are not defined by anything other than the God that you call Messiah and that is Christ. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't steward things well, that you shouldn't apply yourself to the fullest extent at work and you shouldn't do everything you can to point your kids to Christ. But when you start putting your value on things that are not the gospel of Christ, you are slipping into idolatry and you are lost. Remember this, Satan wants you lost in 2020, but you are found, you are a child of God. And you have to be worthy, but you have to understand the gospel of Christ, how we are a broken world in need of a Savior, that Christ was born, that he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, then rose again, that there's penal substitution, which really just means one of my favorite hymns growing up. Uh, I grew up uh, in a house that just radiate and still radiates hymns. My father has a degree in hymology. He is, uh which is a thing it is not made up i think i have he's dead that, that's a real thing but um and I, I he paid a debt he did not owe i owed a debt i could not pay And there's a lot of just beautiful uh, academic words of substitutionary atonement, reconciliation, redemption plan of God, penal substitution, all these things that really speak to me and that you you learn about in Bible college, but they all come down to that hymn that you owed something you could never pay, and he paid something he never owed, and that is the gospel of Christ. That is how we live our lives. And then Paul goes on to say that we have to stand firm in one spirit, which is completely uh, the opposite of our culture. It's counterculture to say that we should be unified because there's so many opinions and thoughts and political parties and voting and this and that. You can turn on the TV and there's a really good chance that something's going to polarize you one way or another. I could probably polarize you right now with a myriad of just thoughts and dissentances that you say, that's not what I believe so I'm not with Tim. I'm not with Tim did believe something different than me in a political view or in a social view. And, and what Paul is saying when he says staying firm, he's not saying that you have to sing kumbaya and make fake peace. What he is saying is what unites us, which is the cross of Christ, is stronger than anything that could divide us. There's going to be things in 2020, because it's an election year, and this place is going to just reign with opinions. I don't mean the church. I mean just Dallas, Texas, America. It's just going to reign with opinions on what you should believe and how you should vote and all of that. And I'll be honest with you, as a person who has been called to steward and love you, I do not care how you vote. I care how you pray. I do not care your allegiances to a political power or, or a government because they will all fail you. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian. You fill in the blank. They will fail you because they are made of broken men and a broken system. You have to put your allegiance with Christ. So hear this, and you're going to hear this again and again and again, and probably... All I'm going to preach on in November is unity. And you have to understand that whatever separates us is in pale comparison of what unites us, which is the cross of Christ. And I realize I move out a lot for us to do a handheld mic. So next Sunday, I will get that more squared away. And I apologize that I, I have. So I'm working on it. I didn't realize how much of a hand talker I was. <laughs> And then we are striving. So he ends the passage with, I want you side by side striving. And I love the word striving because the root word in America or English, I don't know what I call it in America. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You don't have the most educated pastor, but he loves you all so, so good. Um, so in English, not America. Um, The root word of striving would be the best translated to working, grinding, or fighting. And I like all three of those words. Because if you know me, I would say my spiritual gift, gift is grinding. I'm here to be with you day in and day out, come hell or high water. Come valleys, come, uh, come mountaintops, come just tears, come laughter, I'm not going anywhere. And then, at first, I didn't think that was a spiritual gift. I thought that when I transitioned to be your lead pastor, I just turned us into the most boring version of us. Because I was just, you know, I'm just going to be here. Like, I, I don't have any, I'm not a hype guy. I don't, I don't have or want a fog machine. I can't do a backflip. And there's never going to be lasers up here. But I'm going to stand before you and profess truth. Because I understand that striving together means that we are in this thing day in, day out. Grinding. And and when Paul calls us to this, he's not calling this because he's trying to do a, a self-help Uh, how to or or promote a book or whatever. He's saying the things I'm calling you to are biblical truths that will see you through the good times. And the bad, because the Church of Philippi is getting persecuted at the time um, uh, by government uh, persecution, and also a lot of just uh, uh, spiritual warfare, where Satan was coming at the Church of Philippi, was coming at the Church of Ephesus. There was a lot of just uh, Satan trying to fort God's people, because he knew a strong, united church uh, converts the lost to the throne of Christ, and a divided, lost church just spreads disunity and disharmony and and, uh, nothing really productive comes if he can mess the church up he can mess the culture up he can mess the city up and he can he can he can get in the way uh, of conversions to the throne of christ so those are a lot of things that are that are beautiful to talk about but they're really hard to do i don't want to leave today with hypotheticals i don't want to ever be the guy just says go be the best version of you um, I want you to be the best version of you, but I want to give you context of what that actually looks like because the world is going to flood you with what the best version of you looks like, and the majority of them are all lies. but I want to ground you today with truth which is giving you two marching order or what it 's called pastoral challenges but before we do that, I want us to look at january as as an as opportunity of potential, but understand there 's nothing special in january i mean, we we and you need to hear that like if if you mess up in january february is a great place to start um and thank you i thought it was a good point i do that too i think like well i had mid-january i messed up so see you next january january 2021 (laughs) is really my year um and i do i'm I'm a journaler uh and i think i've said that before i journal a lot and if you journal a lot who's journaling with me i like interactive crowds who journals Me and Catherine Espinosa, that's it, cool. Okay, there you go. It's less weird now. Um, but if you journal a lot, and then you go back and keep your journals, you realize, for me, I'm really going to feel, I'm going to fulfill, 2020, I'm going to fulfill 2018's dec- declarations. Because it takes me that long to like, okay, I failed, and I'm going to fail better, and then I'm going to fail better, and then I'm going to succeed, and that's how I am. So some of the things, like I've, I've, told myself i'm starting yoga since 2014 and i can prove it because i don't throw the journals away and i'll be honest with you 2020 i'm probably not going to do it because it's really hard and i'm not flexible but the (laughs) point is that january for me is a good time to start and we, we do that a lot we either have a fresh start in january or we do a fresh start in the fall and um a lot of what we do we have to look at it through the lens of is it a biblical thing or is it something that i can can look at it through the lens of christ or is it just simply a behavior modification because behavior modification will fail you every time, even if you look like you're succeeding. So like, guess, does anyone want to guess what the number one uh, New Year's resolution is? Weight loss, right? Like everybody was weight loss. Um, Everyone, and some of that is, it's it's always good to steward the body that God's given you. I'm I'm a proponent of health and wellness, but I don't know if uh, health and wellness is always equated to a number or a gene size, but society says it is. Um, So behavior modification can trick you into thinking that you're healthy as long as a number says a certain thing or that these genes jeans hurt. These jeans fit. And the behavior modification will fail you every time because it's never going to be good enough if it's a behavior modification. If, if your goal is to get to 200 pounds, 190 is always going to be just out of reach. And if your goal is 190, 180 is always going to be out of reach. And if a pair of 36 jeans fit great and you like the way they look, you're in the your back of your mind like, man, how good would a 34 fit? How good would it? And then so on and so forth. That, that it, it, it doesn't come from a healthy place. But for progressive sanctification, which is the spirit day in, day out, refining you into the image of God it says, that I'm going to be a healthy version of myself because God's given me this body and I'm going to steward this. I'm going I'm going to pray daily, not because I'm just going to check a box, but because I understand the importance of communing with a trying God. I'm going to read the Bible daily. I'm not going to check the box as a behavior modification where I can just say I'm reading words in English and it's a book and I just get it and I get nothing through it. But no, I'm going to dive into the holy word of God because I know that is how I can reprove myself. That's how I can refine myself. That's how I can fight the spiritual war that that God's given me, a sword that I can dive into, and that will be there for me. There's a refuge in the way of Scripture, and I'm going to pour myself into that. So the, the behavior modification of you just says I can simply check the box, and I've done that. There's been years that I've read through the Bible, and if you said, Tim, did you read through the Bible this year? I said, yes, the entire thing. And they said, what did you learn? No clue. Not one thing grabs my heart, but I am, I'm type A, and if you give me a checklist, it's getting checked off. But there's been years where I've said, I've read five books of the Bible that's transformed my life. There's, there's, they're, they're the five shortest epistles, but I still read them, I poured over them, and, and I loved on them. And there's the, the understanding that behavior modification will fail you, but striving for progressive sanctification through the Spirit of God will change your heart, will change your life, will change your actions. So your pastor has two challenges for you today as I wrap up. There's two things I want you to do and continually do. And one is I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to legitimately be honest with yourself, and I hope that you're honest uh, with your community and, and and your spouse and with me. But more than anything, I need you to be honest with yourself of where you are right now because there is no way you can get to where God wants you to be if you don't know where you are right now. It's as simple as as a geographical location or or getting yourself lost in the woods or, or trying to get to point A to B, but you don't know where you started. There's no directions that I can give you on how you need to get where you're going if I don't know where you're at right now. And that can be really hard because where you are could be kind of crappy or where you are could be the darkest version of yourself you've ever been. You could just be living your best life on the outside and dying inside. And if you if you buy into the fact that you're living your best life, but you're actually living your worst life, you're never going to dig yourself out. You're never going to have people come alongside you. You're never going to have the this, this, this Spirit work through you because you're continually lying to yourself. You're continually lying to God, and you're not being the person that is moldable and, and open to, to Spirit-forming power. So you have to be honest with yourself. It is completely okay for you to be broken and It's just not okay for you to stay there, and it's progressive sanctification. It's not saying that once you're honest with yourself, there's a light switch and now you're great. It means that there's a steady progression that the Spirit is refining you into the image of God. Satan wants you lost, and the best way that Satan can keep you lost is they can keep you lying to yourself. You have to know where you are to get where you want to be. So that's number one. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your community be honest with your church and the last thing i want you to do in 2020 is i want you to fight i want you to grind i want you to strive and i'm not a proponent of physical violence i don't want you to like i'll fight right now um, that's not what i mean uh there's, there's i really hope that 2020 involves no punches uh, for anyone in this room um, but you will you're lying to yourself if 2020 is not going to cause you to fight there's, there's not a scenario where you can live uh, a God-centered, God-anointed life in the midst of a broken world and not have to fight to keep inside God's will. There's not a scenario where you can say, I'm going to try really hard, uh, but be this passive, uh, non-opinionated uh, version of, of myself and, and peace for the sake of peace reigns over, but peace for the sake of peace leads to war. You absolutely have to fight for what God's called you to do, and you have to fight for what God's called you to be. I pray that you fight for your faith. I pray that you fight for for who you are, who you believe, why you believe. it. I hope that if you have friends that are walking in open disobedience, that you are the light they need to be. I hope if you're at work and you're the only believer that they know it because you have fight for what is true. You have fight for what's right. And don't don't confuse the word fight with just overbearing aggression. You still are called to love, love, love. And, 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 but there has to be this understanding that there's a line in the sand of what you believe that you make. And you stand with, 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 with humble posturing saying, I will not give this ground up. Hope you fight for your marriage. I hope that, you, that God's called you uh, and it's on your heart that what, what, is, what is before you with your spouse is beautiful, it is a covenant made with Christ, and that you fight tooth and nail for it. And if you've been married for any amount of time, that you have to fight. There's no scenario where you just walk through and, and God gives you this, 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 I mean, there was some pretty hot comments going on about this hypothetically lost ring that I feel like is now proven to be a complete safe accident. Um, But we had to remind ourselves in the midst of panic and confusion what the ring stood for so we could argue about it well. Um, But you have to fight. You have to fight for your family. Your family needs a leader. Your family needs someone to point them to Christ, and you have to fight for them. You have to fight for your church. We're a young church. And and on paper, we've been through it like enough for a 20-year-old church, and we're four years We have a 32-year-old lead pastor. Uh, You have your average age is like 36 years old. And on any given Sunday, Jessica Glitz is teaching more kids or more people than I am. um, That God has blessed us with kids upon kids upon kids. And that's not uh, uh, an accident. That God has blessed and ordained this church with the ability to absolutely point the next generation of people to the throne. And, and we're able to walk with families. We're able to love on families. And we've said it before that so the family goes in Cliff, so O'Cliff goes. So the family goes in Dallas. So the family goes in Texas. So the family unit in America goes, so America goes. And and we are at the forefront of that war in Trinity Church, Oak Cliff, because we reign families. We we have the ability to say, hey, I'm going to be the husband God's called me to be. I'm going to be the wife that God's called me to be. We're going to be the family God's called me to be. And I'm going to do everything I can in my power to point Asher, Asher, Nora, and Levi to the throne of Christ every day. Day, you're gonna have to be honest with yourself. You're gonna have to fight, and 2020 is gonna be amazing. I, I love this church. I was talking uh, before we started uh, this morning with uh, Pastor Gary downstairs, and he was he was joking. They're like, "Man, y'all started here with 12 people, and those 12 weren't that faithful." And I was like, "Well, I mean, they were. They were super faithful. Just you know, we have a lot of kids at 12, and like it was a spotty time." Um, and he's like, "Well, y'all, are, y'all." Are y'all are loud now. And he's like, and we're not even mad about it. Like every time we hear how loud y'all are, we just thank God. Which, push pause, that right there is a beautiful sentiment from a a completely... Uh, structured and cemented church that's been here for 60 years for them to say the new and young people upstairs that are super loud we view it joyful that's something we need to stop and say amen and praise God for so hug every person you see downstairs but I said when your kids are so loud and your people are so loud and your music's so loud and you're kind of loud and we love it And, and and you're growing and you're doing God's work and I've said that we are growing We have seen beautiful growth in 2019 um, that that has not gone to anyone's head other than the fact that we know that we're doing God's work and God's blessing us. But we have so much work to do. We're not doing a victory lap. We have work uh, upon work to do. We're going to only put the throttle down more, and we're going to grind and fight. I'm all about of grind. I'm all about, hype is a waste of time, but I'm here to do work. I'm looking forward to what 2020 uh, has in store for this church. Let me pray over us. We're going to end with one song, and I I, I genuinely pray that uh, the new year finds you well. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the truth that is. the manner in which we should live our life, that the way we live our life should solely be through the scope of the gospel of Christ. I pray for unity in this church. I pray for unity in, in the church of, of Christendom. I pray uh, that we strive together, that we work together, that we grind together, that, that the Sabbath that you talk about is an earned break and that we go to bed tired because of what we've done for the kingdom of God. I pray for all things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.